G'day everyone, welcome to Mark and Car's Porsche Talk, the podcast where we talk about all things Porsche. If you love air-cooled, water-cooled, rear-engine, front-engine, or even mid-engine, there'll be something here for you. But most importantly, we'll talk to the people who are passionate about Porsche. I'm your host, Mark, from the YouTube channel, Mark and Cars. Thank you for taking the time to listen or watch, and feel free to share any input, suggestions, and ideas through the comments, reviews, or message me. You can find me on most social media platforms as Mark and Cars. Special thank you to today's podcast sponsors, Bowden's Own, Australian-made premium car care products. I use them, love them. Keep this little red thing behind me very shiny. You'll like them too. They're available at most auto stores here in Australia or around the world online. Just Google Bowden's Own. And Rec Watches. Rec are a Danish watch company that design and manufacture watches with an automotive theme. If you're a car nut, there's a good chance they make a watch using recycled parts from your favourite brand. I wear the 901 and it's made from recycled 911 parts. These world-class parts and movements to make the ultimate auto enthusiast watch. Check them out at recwatches.com. Today I'm joined by Nick from Oil Stain Lab. Nick, thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, good morning everyone. Thanks for having me. Just complete transparency here. Nick and I spoke a week ago and some numbskull, that being me, didn't hit record. So I thought... Let's do it again. And he was kind enough to give me his time again. I know how busy you are, Nick. So thank you very much. No, it's good Good to do it. Let's do it. Should be yeah, fun. Cool. So tell us about yourself. What is Oilstone Lab? Where did you start? What do you do? Sure, sure. Okay. Um, well, my name is Nikita Bryden. Uh, I'm one half of Oilstone Lab. So I run it with my, uh, with my twin brother here in uh, Los Angeles, uh, California. And um, we are kind of a boutique design studio, I guess you could, you could call it that. Um, we do a lot of sort of custom builds, um, but I think primarily we're known for, for our interesting little project, which is uh, Half Eleven. Yeah, well, it's uh, certainly attracted my attention on uh, social media. There's no doubt about that. That's I didn't know about your entity existing until it dropped into my feed one day, and I thought, "Ooh, what's that? I better talk to these guys." Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of been our, uh, I guess, business card for what we do in a way. Um, it's yeah, we're we're able to sort of showcase our storytelling portion. Um, our design portion, obviously the, the building, the fabrication of it. Um, we're so close to getting it running. Um, a lot of people thought it was fake for a long time, but yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's coming along and yeah, should be running here shortly. So pretty excited about that. Look, looking forward to hearing it and seeing it actually move under its own power. Yeah, it's going to be uh, pretty intense. I don't, I don't, yeah, it's gonna, not for the faint of heart, um, but yeah, let's, uh, I can't wait. I mean, the exhaust, everything should be should be really cool. I, I'm cautiously optimistic that it'll be yeah, awesome. Yeah, great here. You clearly <laughs> got some uh, 911 slash 912 enthusiasm in the background behind you there for listeners only. There's three cars of varying states of operation. It looks like parked behind you in the workshop. Yeah, so uh, directly behind me, we've got uh, our Marlboro, uh, kind of RS clone. Uh, it's a 1972 with a 3.6 uh, barrier ram in it. Um, so that car is a lot of fun. Um, just spent the weekend actually filming with it. So there should be a cool little film coming out soon. Looking forward to seeing it. And um, the white one is, I want to say a 67, 912. It's not actually mine. It's my friend's. 
Um, I'm just going to be helping him sell it. Um, but it's got a, an S motor in it. Um, okay. So that's, that's really neat. And then the one on the right here is another oil stain lab uh, special that's not quite ready for prime time. But yeah, it's sure. a 67, 912 with a 32 in it. Um, and it's got a bunch of custom body work and stuff that we're doing to it to, to make it our, our little special build, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, right here. <laughs> Tell us um, just why car design, where does it come from for you? What's mm -hmm. your working history prior to sinking yourself into this project? Sure, yeah. I mean, really quickly, uh, my brother and I both, we grew up sketching cars and dinosaurs and um, it's hard to make a living designing dinosaurs. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't know you could, but I guess you can nowadays. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we can. <laughs> But uh, yeah, ended up picking cars fairly early in life. Um, basically told my parents I want to be a car designer when I was 10 and yeah, worked super hard to get there. Um, and we both studied in Italy first uh, for a year and a half in, in Torino. And then I uh, came here to California uh, when we were 17 and went to Art Center uh, College of Design, which is, you know, maybe top two or three colleges in the world for that that sort of profession sure um and then luckily we got some jobs here in california uh, so we worked together at toyota um then moved over to honda and then uh, i've worked also for hyundai genesis and then general motors advanced uh gac and now i do um obviously a lot of stuff with oil stain lab and kind of freelance sure um but yeah i mean cars have always been something that we've been drawn to not necessarily old cars and not necessarily porsches um until we got older um obviously as a young kid you just like lamborghinis and the fastest car in the world the mclaren f1 yeah, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. but yeah it, it the the car bug bit us early and then the porsche bug bit us at uh well, 24 years old and it bit us pretty hard and we've definitely gone down the rabbit hole and been addicted i guess yeah yeah sure those uh those air-cooled motors they certainly they get inside you if you if it's for you i think yeah i mean it, it's it's crazy uh i mean just the culture around porsche is so different i think especially in the 911 there's this sort of hot rod culture especially in california sure. um you know we have the r group and it's this idea that almost like a fixie bicycle you know you can customize it you can make it your own um it's not sacrilegious to cut the fenders off with different fenders on it um so it's all embraced and it's, it's just a really cool sort of community um which is different than i think a lot of other car brands where it sort of has to remain original of course um, Porsche purists but yeah there's but there's look, also a large portion that's okay with <laughs> modifying the cars <laughs> there is look uh particularly there in la that modification of even other brands other than Porsche is quite prolific you know you see it quite a lot on social media now like I don't think there'd be more tuned Lamborghinis in the world than in, you know, about three postcodes there in LA or zip codes that you call them. You know, it is just, it's amazing what goes on in that town of yours where you're living at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it's very much, uh, I mean, it's an LA thing, right? It's like, what's the latest, fanciest toy who's got the biggest wheels, but um, yeah, it can be a little uh, facetious or whatever, but uh, I mean here, yeah, the Porsche community is awesome. Um, it's kind of outside of that LA scene, maybe the Hollywood scene. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Sure. as long as it's performance, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, good one. Tell me, um, interesting you say that. Working in the design studios of the 
uh, automotive brands you mentioned earlier, you must see pretty much be working on things that we don't see for quite some time to production, like five, 10 years in the future, I'd imagine. And you must have worked on and spent hours on stuff that will just never, ever have gotten to see the light of day as well. Uh, yeah, that's uh, very much the story of a lot of design, car design. Um, yeah, we, we tend to work, you know, five years in the future is almost uh, like kind of a facelift. Um, sure. When you're doing a production car, you're aiming little bit more like 12 years into the future and then the advanced projects are 15 20 25 years in the future um and then there's the occasional blue sky project it's like 50 years in the future where we can change infrastructure and yeah redesign yeah. the city and like yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um but yeah very much like uh i would say 90 percent of the work we do never gets seen um outside of the design studio and california is really known for kind of these satellite design studios so they're they're okay. mostly advanced um so it's a lot of long-term thinking branding um direction mapping sort of a trend analysis and so i would say even like 60 percent of the work we do doesn't even make it back to the mothership um well, so it's okay. a yeah sure it's a very uh outside of the the oem world you know we don't necessarily interact with engineers as much i mean it depends on the studios but yeah it's a very sort of it's kind of a sandbox you know you can sure. just go and play um yeah. but yeah there isn't a lot of reward for getting something onto the street yeah, it doesn't have to work it just has to look like it might work exactly yeah and yeah, it's just yeah. kind of setting setting up the future for the brand you know um yeah, yeah. so it's cool in, when they take it <laughs> i know in the post-war uh boom period of the 50s in the usa and then to a degree in the uh, 60s and 70s in Japan, automotive manufacturers, they would employ enormous teams of people doing the very job that you've enjoyed doing over the years. Is that still the case? They still have like, you know, hundreds of people working in these for these brands in various places around the world, just trying to come up with an idea that will give them that marketing or leading edge in the industry. Is that, is that still the case? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the industry has kind of grown, um, you know, now there's multi sort of disciplines and people are specialists in specific things like yeah, sure. color and trim, interior design, UX design. Um, and so, yeah, I think the numbers are, are definitely growing. Um, it's still a very niche sort of thing to do. Um, I do primarily exterior design, um, dabble sometimes in the interior, but um, I don't know. Gosh, it's hard to put a number, but maybe there's 5,000 globally, I oh, would okay. say, like all the companies. Um, so it's still very, very small. Um, but yeah, a company like GM will have studios in, I think they have two studios in China, a studio in Korea, uh, a couple studios in Europe, a couple studios here, in, uh, obviously in Detroit, um, and then California, yep. studio probably in South America. Okay. Um, obviously, the Australia studio, unfortunately, got shut down. Recently, um, yeah. awesome, awesome guys there, but we got to work with them. But yeah, money was tight, I guess, at GM. Oh, look, I'm sure it always is. <laughs> but paying the uh, bonuses that the uh, people at the top of the tree have to get paid every year, I'm sure, you know, it comes at a price somewhere. Yeah, I can't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> Potential employer, I'll get it. Tell me, um, with your history and across these brands, is there anything, you mentioned exterior design, is there anything like a line, a shape, a fender, a mirror shape or anything that we would see 
our, as listeners or viewers of this video on a car in the past that you can say, yeah, I did that? Oof. Um, I mean, of course there is, but I mean, I think car design is very much like a team game. Um, yeah, sure, so, sure, okay. You know, again, you mentioned the teams. I think really it, it goes back to that. It's hard to to take uh, a lot of credit. A lot of designers will take credit for stuff <laughs> that they just barely touched. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially if they need me, it in their resume for the next employer, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but for me in particular, I've been sort of really on the advanced stuff. So okay. you, you've, you've seen some of the stuff, but um, I think, you know, uh, to, I guess for my brother, it would be more uh, appropriate a question, but he did the current CRX and RDX, Acura RDX. Yeah, okay. Um, those two cars and um, a large portion of kind of the Honda Acura branding direction sort of came from from my brother and I when we were there. Um, oh, interesting. So that's yeah, sure. years ago. That's how long it kind of takes to, to translate. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, production cars aren't terribly exciting to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but for most of us that's all we get to see that's true yeah. <laughs> sadly yeah. <laughs> you're right so um on to half 11 for those few people who haven't seen it what is it Oof. um it's a uh, a pipe dream that started after one or two beers and a couple months of us having fun with my brother and i um we luckily bought a 911 tub for about 500 bucks. Um, and it had been kind of converted into a weird Targa convertible wide body thing. Um, it's kind of a mess. And uh, yeah, we'd already built sort of a RS fender car, a turbo RSR fender car, and then a super wide body um, car. And we were just like, what do we do next? You know, um, we're designers, we're always looking for something new. And uh, yeah, I mean, we just came up with this idea of like, um, we love the 917, uh, wanted to build like a 917 tribute car at one point. Um, love that era of, of the cars, the Can-Am cars, the Lamar prototypes. Obviously we probably won't be able to afford a 917 anytime soon, <laughs> the real one. Um, and we're, again, we're designers. So we thought, hey, like let's try and design something. So we, we came about with this idea that we'll try and fit it into that era so instead of you know porsche creating these prototypes that weren't based on any of their production cars what if they used the production cars and went prototype sports car racing um, in this case it would have fit in the rules um, in 68 it would have been the rules that the gt40 fit into um, and so this would have been our gt40 sort of fighter if you will sure. um, and yeah. it's very much a 911 kind of at the front extremely wide um, extremely low, um, and then kind of a Formula One Le Mans prototype smashed into the back of it. So it, it, the original idea was very much a car crash sort of concept. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's sort of grown and evolved into something a little bit more, I guess, cohesive or palatable for most people. So it's a little less radical, but uh, probably a little more beautiful. <laughs> is, it, is it? Look, it's definitely um, unique. And like, like anything, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I think it looks amazing. And, but I'm sure there are purists out there just throwing up in their mouth as well, you know? So it's just a combination of what, what it is that ever you, whatever someone likes. The, with you, I've seen renderings of with roof, without roof. Are you 
planning on building one or the other or both or are you, is there a plan to make these if someone you know if you get six you know wealthy saudi sheeps going oh yeah we all need one to go racing down the freeway in and you're going to go yeah okay i'll build them is that sort of like where it could go yeah i mean originally when we built this it was very much kind of our little backyard project um and then as soon as we started posting stuff online people got beyond like excited about it and people started reaching out um oh i want to buy one blah 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 and uh we've kind of turned everyone down um because we don't want it never started as a commercial thing and as soon as something becomes commercial it, it very much tends to lose a little bit of the essence or you start thinking, oh, is this going to be comfortable? Is someone going to like this? Um, and so we've, we've tried to avoid that. Um, and yeah, whether that's dumb or not, but uh, we're trying to stay really pure to our vision and build our car. Um, so currently we're building the open top version, um, which will then grow a roof, but it, it's very much prototype stage right now. Sure, so sure. it'll grow a roof. The roof may be removable, but we need to figure out if people can fit in it, um, we need to figure out like how big the doors are. These are minor details. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the car is, I think, the same height as a 917. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we've, you know, for a 911 to get down there, there's a lot of cutting and trimming and modifying. So Sectioning of the body, I can imagine. You have to be a fair bit going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've lowered the entire, I mean, we use the front tub, but we've lowered the entire steering column dashboard area down about, two and three quarter inches so about in mil like a hundred mil something like that yep yep so you can see out of it and we get a little bit more exotic section on the dash uh across the the fenders and the hood um so yeah it's kind of you know it's this combination of like california hot rodding and you know hollywood magic storytelling yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh is the plan to use you know the 911 shape is clearly in the design language are you intending to use many porsche components or is the whole thing custom um haven't thought that so, hard I mean, yeah uh, we want to use as many porsche components as possible obviously that's mo most authentic to the to the to the project i mean originally when we started it you know as designers we need to set like a boundary and kind of a goal. And so we, we sure. very much sure. wanted it to be a 69 Porsche race car. And uh, we wanted to be in the Porsche museum. So like everything we've done, we've tried to stay, in our opinion, as authentic to how they would have done it. Yeah. Um, and then we've sort of modernized it with modern technology, um, just because that seems to resonate with people. And we like that idea as well. Um, so we're not stuck with like arc welding and, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, sure. Have you, have you um, <laughs> Have you found anyone who will um, come up with some sort of solution on knocking two 2.7 flat sixes together for you to make a great big flat 12? Uh, so we are talking with a few people about making a flat eight. There actually is a flat eight that's available in Europe. One zillion dollars, um, no doubt. Yeah, it's 850,000 euro. So it's a little, little pricey. Um, but yeah, we, we do have a few friends that are very good with engineering that are considering building some flat 12s um, well, okay. it would change the proportion of our car a little bit we'd have to lengthen it sure. um, but then we'd probably go up to 18 inch rims and you know we're designers we could totally hide it fix it yep. the same yep sure um, sure and the, that would uh, be a car. 
And <laughs> the I've been fortunate enough through my YouTube channel to be up close and film a 917 tribute car that's built mm-hmm. from the ground up, actually here in Western Australia. And uh, it was so I know, and it's supposedly made to the authentic size. I've actually seen a real 917, but not been able to sit in it or anything like that. I've been touchy feely, okay. you know. And the replica the car that was built here is quite true to the original in proportion. So when you say how low it is, I have very good indication on how low it is and what it's like to get in and out of and those sorts of things, you know. So I can imagine, you know, and the one here in West Australia is actually road registered as well. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah. So look, not the most comfortable thing to go down to the uh, shop to get the milk, right? But it was, <laughs> and that actually had a three point six air cooled motor in the back of it. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. With a, with a flipped over nine thirty gearbox. So, yeah. 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 And that um that all seemed to function quite well. The rear suspension was apparently quite true to the original. I didn't see up close mm. what the original rear suspension looked like, but it was quite a sight to behold in the back of this replica there's no doubt about that the uh it all looked amazing it was all very race car barely did it have a livery yes it was uh, in the it was in the um golf colors okay yep. okay yep. thanks so yeah it was, it was amazing and coincidentally the company that made these kits that this guy put together actually had their wind have their windscreens made so they're street legal here in australia by a windscreen company here in australia oh wow yeah. So they're glass. Yeah. Yep. Oh wow, hmm. that's pretty impressive. Crazy. Yeah. So, so if you are looking for someone to make creative glass for you, there is clearly somebody in Australia that is capable of doing so. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, I've gotten a quote. It's about eighteen thousand dollars for our car. So yeah. Sure. Well, this car. This car actually came with two, two windscreens, <laughs> just in case. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you yeah. do need to replace it at some point. Well, I was told the second one would be eleven thousand. So I yeah, guess it's yeah, okay. cheaper the more you make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I imagine if you uh, had something like that made, the insurance on the air freight of getting it from Australia to the US would be every bit of eleven thousand dollars anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially now with the COVID shipping delays and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's it's pretty awful. <laughs> and um, so with the designing of half eleven. Is much 3D printing, that sort of tech being used to prototype up the stuff? Yeah, I mean, we've, uh, I mean, we're kind of using everything we use at the OEMs um, and kind of trying to bring it down and and sort of do a 21st century coach building. So we do a lot of, uh, a lot of CAD and a lot of 3D printing. Um, so the entire exhaust system, for example, is 3D printed out of Inconel. Um, well, okay. And uh, right from the exhaust flanges all the way to the exhaust tips, um, and we can we could just do stuff that you can't normally. So normally exhaust is like mandrel bent; it looks a little bit uh, geometric because obviously you have the dies yeah. um, that are forcing the radius on it. Um, and for us, that just didn't appeal. We like more the vintage F1 look, which was kind of sand cast bent, yeah. uh, much more organic, a little that bit whole, more. Uh, that whole bag of snakes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were able to do that easier with the 3D printing. Um, And also we're able to control the section through the tube so we can match the port exactly and then optimize it for flow. Um, And just the tolerances, the the half 11 is like a remarkably small car. It's so small. 
and uh, there's not a lot of room for the for the eight exhaust pipes and so yeah our tolerances are down to like a millimeter um, in terms of clearancing like the the shock tower rockers or whatever um, so yeah it 3d printing allows us to sort of build to tolerances that if you were building kind of by hand or having someone fabricate it would just be really difficult yeah yeah okay um, and if you've made this exhaust system and it's an eight you've clearly got an engine in mind for the prototype yeah so uh the 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 original car or our first car uh we are going to be running kind of a ls derived engine sure. um it's pretty much a race motor um de-stroked and bored um so we're hoping it'll rev out to like eight and a half maybe nine thousand um we've got a dry sump on it so we can get it really really low uh individual throttle bodies um and of course the the crazy exhaust will make it sound super exotic um with crossover headers um so yeah looking forward to to hearing that thing scream it should have been running now but um unfortunately yeah shipping delays parts delays have sort of cost us a little bit. Um, yep, so we're sure. still a few weeks away. <laughs> How do you, is there any plan for this vehicle to be driven on a public road? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, we talked about kind of California hot rod culture. Um, there's the remarkable lack of rules here for uh, cars that are built, um, let's say 1975 and older. Sure. Um, so yeah, the car will definitely be street legal. Um, like, like the front half of this car. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it'll it'll be street registered as a 911. Um, and then, you know, kind of as, as America has this wonderful hot rod culture, like the crazy Model T hot rods or whatever you have. Um, we can, yeah, we basically have no noise restrictions or smog restrictions, uh, exhaust restrictions. Um, so the car won't have mufflers. It'll be loud. It'll be very obnoxious. Um, but yeah, it'll be neighbors happy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we have a space where we can keep it that's away from a residential neighborhood. <laughs> so they would not be happy for an early morning canyon canyon run. Yeah. I, I see. I often see. You know, every you two thirds of the automotive YouTubers in the world live in LA, right? And when you see them doing their canyon runs, and you see these houses, and I'm looking up at on the sides of this GoPro footage, seeing these houses that clearly cost millions and millions of dollars and all day, every day, you know, all they're hearing is these cars just going flat strapped straight up and down the canyons, whatever road, whether it's Mulholland or, you know, yeah. wherever it is, you just, every time I watch them going, man, these guys cannot be happy with living up here with all this noise. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. Um, I guess I'll, I'll just, argue that most of those homes are empty and bought by like foreign investors or ah, people okay. that, sure. you know that's not a not like a, a first home it's like a <laughs> it's like home. fourth home is it yeah okay yeah exactly exactly so it's a different world uh, to the one i live in yeah it's a it's a little hard to feel bad for them <laughs> <laughs> the um can you tell me with regards to the um completed half 11 car what is the plan once it's completed for you guys? Is this like a stepping stone project or is it just sort of, yes, we can just to prove out there that, you know, within yourselves, you could create this thing. What is the intent? Yeah. I mean, very much the, the project again, it was started because my brother and I wanted to build this thing and we just needed to, to get that out of our system. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, it's very much a passion project and, um, 
we do hope that other people like it. And, you know, the, the idea would be to then build some more of them. And uh, again, we want this to be sort of a different way of making cars that kind of harks back to another era. So, um, you know, you can go ahead and buy like a Bugatti and you can spec the leather a different color, but fundamentally there's still 300 of these things, right? Um, and so for us, we really hope that the people that do want to buy one don't necessarily want the exact bodywork we have. We want to build different ones. So we want to build a long tail maybe that was a Le Mans special. Um, so like a low drag version. We want to build a high downforce, super wide one for like Targa Floria sort of style. Maybe it only has one headlight because they didn't run them during the night. Yeah. You know, just like a super stripped out, really cool um, sprint special. Um, yeah, and then of course, our, our, our car will just be the initial prototype. We're going to run it hard. We're going to make a bunch of videos uh, and just kind of have fun with it. Um, I was talking to a buddy recently. Maybe we'll take it to Pike's Peak. He was telling me the entry fees are not that high and sure. it would be kind of epic. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe we race it there. Let's see. <laughs> the, uh, you'll be flipping a coin to see who drives? Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, my brother's a pretty good sim racer. Yeah. Okay. But I feel like I've got a little bit more real world experience. So yeah, I was about to say, the, you know, bank on that. <laughs> the, the crashing consequences aren't so great in the sim, are they? Yeah, he's just a restart kid, you know. Yeah. Just, <laughs> we got four lives. Yeah, <laughs> I actually had my I actually had my first go in a um in a sim on Saturday, a couple of days ago here. Okay. At the uh, the Porsche Center had their GT oh, cool. racing hybrid uh -huh. sim brought in over here for customers to try out. Okay bit nauseating for me i'll be honest with you i don't know if i'd be cut out for those sorts of uh experiences and g-forces and things that were going on you know it was did it have motion yep oh, okay was... yeah real sims don't don't use motion like for the real driving yeah okay. that's just for, that's just for play yeah just... yeah it's um yeah this is yeah i didn't feel that good after it i can imagine yeah and I yeah, just, I'm, I'm with you on my that, limitations. Yeah. yeah it's weird i don't yeah. like the motions <laughs> <laughs> the um yeah so that sounds great that that's uh coming along any any other exciting projects in the pipeline or is this absorbing all your oxygen at the moment uh i mean we've got a few other sort of client projects that we're working on um that yeah are just kind of behind closed doors um but yeah i i mean we did the the safari alpha recently for a company called either an apparel company um so that was pretty cool um, but yeah, a few, few projects along, along those lines. And then obviously we've got this 912 that we need to button up. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're staying busy and kind of in the shadows, which is how we like it until something's finished. How, how hands-on are you guys in the shop there or, you know, do you outsource everything or, or is it a, you know, are you up to your back axles in Conrad's occasionally or how's, how's that <laughs> go for you? Um, we don't deal with the, any of the engine stuff really. Um, yeah. Or, or a lot of that. But when we do, for example, like a Safari build, um, you know, we built my my buddy, uh, who's a designer at Singer, actually, we built him his Safari in kind of my living room. Um, so we, we lifted the car, we took all the suspension out, we sent out the parts to get them re-welded and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, we, we get hands-on. It depends on kind of, you know, the size of a client and their budget. Like if they have a huge budget, of course, we're going to outsource it to like, 
an expert who's going to like 3D scan the car. We're going to custom make parts, but that, you know, that's a huge timeline, huge commitment. Um, and then sometimes there's smaller projects where it's just, you know, yeah. it just depends, I guess. Um, and then in terms of like the metal shaping and stuff, if we have anything like that, we just go straight to Jake, you know, Jake's, Jake's our guy um, down in San Diego. We just bring him all the projects like for the alpha. He did a custom hatch. Obviously he's building the half 11 body work for us. Um, I saw that alpha. What do you mean custom hatch? It just looks like there's no hatch on it. Oh, well, it's entirely waterproof. So we oh, use really? the existing, yeah, we use the existing hatch. We cut out the entire rear window and then built uh, a tray that's attached to the hatch. Oh, like a bucket then, for the wheels to sit in type thing. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then a little cargo area back there, a custom rear window. Um, so yeah, it was kind of, I'm offended. Just a bucket for, no, no. It was <laughs> you sound like a designer. <laughs> yeah, you get yeah. There was a lot of time and effort, man. <laughs> Look, I, believe, I believe you. So sorry to diminish the energy you've been. <laughs> That's all good. Fuck it. Life, life of a designer. Underappreciated. <laughs> but it doesn't go. Doesn't matter. Look at it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, yeah, that was that was a really cool project because they were just like, yeah, we'll pay for it. Just do it. Make it cool. So that is cool. Uh, it's uh, certainly unique because whenever I think of those lifted euro cars well i think is 911 you know safaris right. but so seeing <laughs> yeah. seeing it done to an alpha it was yeah unreal do you guys have a lot of safaris in australia no none no like look if I'd, there's a couple of um off-road really? rally cars mm -hmm. but, but not to not lifted to the point of like the um tuttle style cars you know okay or that singer monster truck 911 that they built recently oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that was my that, that was my buddy's car yeah the one i was talking about earlier yeah, okay. <laughs> designed that thing <laughs> that wild. is <laughs> that yeah that thing's amazing but you know there is definitely race car you know off-road race cars here 911s but okay. not i haven't seen a you know i haven't seen there's no put it there's no one that's driving one around like matt farrah does around your neck of the woods Huh, that's so strange. Mm. I would have thought you guys would be all over that. You've got the the whole desert. Don't you guys go out to the Outback or whatever in desert? I don't know. Oh yeah, we've got kangaroos jet bouncing down the street too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right now. You're talking to me here. You're talking <laughs> you're, talk you're talking to me like I'm gonna ask you if a grizzly bear walks down the main street in Canada. Okay. <laughs> they do though. Unless <laughs> you tell the tourists, don't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now look, in all reality, the desert isn't that far away, but it's a lot of the um there's certainly much more of a trend for the um we've got the trucks we have here aren't like the trucks in the USA. You don't want to say truck, I mean a tray back mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Ours are that size smaller. They're not that mm -hmm. great big F-150 size. It's smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Ranger sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That size. Yeah. So that's that that's size vehicle is actually the biggest selling vehicle in Australia. Okay. Yeah, so four-wheel drive, lifted, yeah. chunky tires. Oh, and dual cab. So two, you know, four-seater or five-seater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they just fit into some sort of tax bracket, I think, where you can write them off through business because they can carry a certain payload or something like that, but they're still, oh, okay. so similar, they're still similar parking similar. spots, but you know, whereas the F-150 doesn't fit yeah. in, you know, you can't drive okay. them in the shops because there's nowhere to park the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sounds similar to America. Yeah. Where everyone writes off their G63 AMG. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, do you, what, what car do you daily? 
Oh, uh, it's terribly exciting. Um, when I commuted, I would drive one of the older cars, but right now I'm daily driving an E350 van. So it's a cargo van. Yeah, okay. Um, it's like our camp vehicle, shop vehicle. Um, but my commute's like four, like four miles, something like that. So, yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, well, with, the, with the weather in LA, you really should probably just ride your bicycle there, shouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, we can. I just, yeah, I get up so early most days. It's, yeah, and riding a bike's dangerous here. It's like, you know, the, the, the drivers aren't great. Um, but when I worked at Honda, I, I daily drove pretty much the Marlboro um, oh, okay. with my brother. Um, so we would carpool in that. And then when we kind of went our separate ways to the design studios, I would daily drive a, uh, it's a seven, 1974 BMW 2002 with an M20 swapped into it. Well, so, okay, yeah. Great looking so, car. Yeah, it's, uh, here, let me see. Oh, yep. There it is. Oh, yeah, nice <laughs> one. Oh, it's got the, uh, got the Batmobile uh, front fender <laughs> fins on it. Yeah, the, uh, the wind splits. Yeah. Yeah, my little tribute to the, to the E9 CSLs. Yep, yep, the uh, great cars. <laughs> yeah, they're super cool. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, these were a little cheaper, so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, they are that. <laughs> those, those E9s, they are getting exorbitant money here in Australia nowadays. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they there's a really they, cool they should one They're a design that, icon. Yeah, yeah. There's a really cool one in Malibu that's uh, that golf yellow, the really bright yellow. And he's okay. got the wind splits and like blue fog lights. And it's a real CSL and it's, it's amazing. And the guy runs it in the canyons. It's pretty cool. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with me today. It's been great to hear about what you guys are doing there. Great to talk to you again. Yeah. The, um... <laughs> Hopefully it was recorded this time. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely recording. And um, yeah, again, thank you very much for your time. It's been great uh, having a chat and finding out what you guys are doing there because it fascinates me. Cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having, having me and uh, yeah, glad to uh, spread the word to the land down under well when you come over and visit <laughs> drop me a line oh totally yeah i need to get down there it's on the bucket list you should do <laughs> look you'd, you'd be the only you'd be the only canadian born person that's not been here really is <laughs> that many of them here it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah i mean everyone wants to escape canada it's kind of a boring place <laughs> I, I would i would i would say um life in australia probably isn't too dissimilar to what life in canada is like uh, like four feet of snow, maybe. No, no, no. or dust. <laughs> dust. <laughs> dust or snow. Yeah, I think yeah. I'll take dust. <laughs> Good dust. Have a great day, mate. Really appreciate it. Oh yeah. Cheers, man. Take bye. care. Bye. <clears throat>